And here we go. When I up, down, touch the ground, puts me in the mood. Up, down, touch the ground, in the mood. To podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Creating Geeks podcast. As always, I'm Chris. I'm Sarah. And um, before we get going with this one, we have great news. Um, For those of you who have been listening to our podcast and the other podcasts that I do, our uh, son who was on the way arrived on July 6th. Um, So awesome. Um, He's healthy. Sarah's healthy. You're healthy, right? Sure. Sure. Physically, not so much mentally. Oh, we're doing fine. So now we have a near three-year-old and a three-week-old, and I'm actually holding him right now as we record. So if you hear squawking, like right now, <laughs> hey, right on cue, dude. <laughs> um, That's Jake. So uh, well, he's going to keep on squawking, isn't he? Anywho. Um, yeah. So sorry for the baby interruptions, but. That's going to become a normal here. But um, anywho, um, again, you can find my podcast like this one and others at patreon.com slash the Chippa um, on YouTube. And on that Patreon, we call it the Chippa Made This. There's the Chipman Brothers Tangent, the Talkbuster podcast, and also this one, Creating Geeks. Um, and again, for those of you that are listening for the first time, the idea of this is we go through something we enjoyed as kids that may be coming back into the public light or maybe you just have around and you want to share with your kids and we discuss whether or not um, that would be a good idea or, you know, just our background with it and how much we'd be excited to share it with our kids. Anyway, um, so this particular episode, as you can probably tell by the introduction, um, we're going to be doing Winnie the Pooh, but um, in particular, kind of like we did with the uh, Cobra Kai one with um, the Karate Kid, but even cooler is that we actually got to go to a premiere of a movie that as of the recording of this has not been released yet. Um, so we saw the new film by Disney, Christopher Robin, which is a direct sequel to The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Um, and we're going to be talking about that as kind of the, you know, would we share Winnie the Pooh with our kids, which the answer is, of course, and also this new movie, which um, we'll get to in a minute. So this is exciting for us because this podcast will hopefully release right when the embargo drops. So that'll be really cool. This will be one of the first reviews you'll get to uh, listen to for uh, that film. So with that, um, we'll move on. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. So Winnie the Pooh, also called Pooh Bear, is a fictional anthropomorphic teddy bear created by English author A.A. A. Milne. Fuck does that it means mean? he stands upright like a human. They couldn't say that in a smaller, not... No, anthropomorphic is the right word. I don't even know what that means. Well, I also got this off Wikipedia, so... Mm, so We're trying to sound smart. Oh, because Wikipedia is reliable. So, like I said before, I was <clears throat> interrupted by English author A.A. A. Milne. The first collection of stories about the character was the book Winnie the Pooh from 1926, and this was followed by The House of... At Pooh Corner, 1928. Milne also included a poem about the bear in the children's first book, When We Were Very Young, from 1924, and many more in Now We Are Six in 1927. All four volumes are illustrated by E.H. Shepard. The Pooh stories have been translated into many languages, including Alexander Leonard's Latin translation, Winnie Il Pooh which was first published in 1958 and in 1960 became the only Latin book ever to have been featured in the New York Times bestseller list. 
Hyphens in the character's name were dropped by Disney when the company adapted the Pooh stories into a series of features that became one of its most successful franchises. In popular film adaptations, Pooh Bear was seen has been voiced by actors Sterling Holloway, Hal Smith, and Jim Cummings in English, and Yevgeny Leonov in Russian. Hey, I give you credit for that one. <laughs> a A whoa, and we're jumping the page. Hooray! Not to be confused with jumping the shark. That's right, which we will not be doing in this podcast, unless we review the Meg. Or Jaws. Or Jaws. Or Sharknado. Sharknado, but that's not really the topic of this. Anyway, A.A. Milne named the character Winnie the Pooh after a teddy bear owned by his son, Christopher Robin Milne, who was the basis of the character Christopher Robin. The rest of Christopher Robin Milne's toys, Piglet, Eeyore, Kangaroo, and Tigger, were incorporated into Milne's stories. Two more characters, Owl and, Ra- Owl and Rabbit. Wow, it made them one word. I thought that was the rabbit's name, Owlwind. Huh. Good for me. Owl and Rabbit were created by Milne's imagination, while Gopher was added to the Disney version. I'm not in the book. <laughs> Christopher Robin's toy bear is on display oh. at the main branch of the New York Public Library in New York City. I'm going to tangent off for a second. This That explains why Owl and Rabbit don't have character names, because they're real animals. Exactly. And All we'll, the stuffed animals have names. And we'll get into that when talking about Christopher Robin after this, because that kind of threw us for the loop while watching it. But, um, yes. Anyways. Christopher Milne had named his toy bear after Winnie, a Canadian black bear he often saw at London Zoo, and Pooh, a swan they'd met while on holiday. The bear cub was purchased from a hunter by 20, for $20 by Canadian Lieutenant Harry Colburn. Sorry, by Canadian Lieutenant Harry Colburn in White River, Ontario, Canada, while en route to England during First World War. He named the bear Winnie after his adopted hometown in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Winnie was surreptitiously brought to England with her owner and gained unofficial recognition as the Fort Gary Unit Horse Regimental Mascot. Colburn left Winnie at the London Zoo while he and his unit were in France. Um, how could he be a horse mascot? He was a bear. Mm. After the war, she was officially donated to the zoo as she'd become a much-loved attraction there. Pooh, the swan, appears as a character in Thonerite in When We Were Very Young. In the first chapter of Winnie the Pooh, Milne offers this explanation of why Winnie the Pooh is often simply called Pooh. But his arms were so stiff, they stayed up straight in the air for more than a week. And whenever a fly came and settled on his nose, he had to blow it off. And I think, but I am not sure, that that is why he is always called Pooh. Because uh, he's blowing the fly off. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> the American writer William Sat- Sapphire. Sapphire surmised that Milne's invention of the names Winnie the Pooh may have also been influenced by the haughty character Pooh-Bah in Gilbert and Sullivan's The Mikado. Haughty character. Haughty. Oh, I got a long one here. The Winnie the Pooh stories are set in Ashdown Forest, East Sussex, England. The forest is a large area of tranquil open heathland in the highest sandy ridges of the Highland Weald area of outstanding natural beauty, situated 30 miles or 50 kilometers in metric south of London. In 1925, Milne, a Londoner, bought a country home a mile from the north of the forest in Cotchford Farm near Hartfield. According to Christopher Milne, while his father continued to live in London, the four of us, he, his wife, his son, and his son's nanny, would pile into a large blue chauffeur-driven Fiat and travel down every Saturday morning and back again every Monday afternoon. 
and we would spend the whole glorious month there in the spring and two months in the summer. From the front lawn, the family had a view across a meadow of a line of alders that fringed the river Medway, beyond which the ground rose through more trees, until finally above them, in the faraway distance, crowning the view, was a bare hilltop. In this center of this hilltop was a clump of pines. Most of his father's visits to the forest at this time were, he noted, family expeditions on foot to make yet another attempt to count the pine trees on Gill's lap or to search for the marsh gentian. Gentian? Christopher added that, inspired by Ashdown Forest, his father had made it the setting for his two of his books, finishing the second little over three years after his arrival. The game of Poo Sticks was originally played by Christopher Milne on a footbridge across a tributary of the River Medway in Posingford Wood, close to Cotchford Farm. The wooden bridge is now a tourist attraction and has become traditional to play the game there using sticks gathered in nearby woodland. When the footbridge recently had to be replaced, the engineer designed a new structure based closely on the drawings of the bridge by Shepard in the books, which were somewhat different than the original structure. You need to go there when you go to England. Yeah, right? That'd be awesome. The first time Pooh and his friends appeared in color was 1932, when he was drawn by Schlesinger in his now familiar red shirt and featured on an RCA Victor picture record. Parker Brothers introduced A.A. A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh game in 1933, again with Pooh in his red shirt. In the 1940s, Agnes Brush created the first plush dolls with Pooh in his red shirt. Shepard had drawn Pooh with a shirt as early as the first Winnie the Pooh book, which was subsequently colored red later in colored editions, which is interesting because I always thought the shirt was a Disney edition. On February, uh, sorry, on January 6th, 1930, Stephen Schlesinger purchased U.S. and Canadian merchandising, television, recording, and other trade rights to the Winnie the Pooh works from Milne for a $1,000 advance and 66% of Schlesinger's, Schlesinger's. Schlesinger's income, creating the modern licensing industry. By November 1931, Pooh was a $50 a year business. Schlesinger marketed Pooh and his trends for more than 30 year, friends for more than 30 years, creating the first Pooh doll record board game puzzle, U.S. radio broadcast on NBC, animation, and motion picture film. Whoa, Good and job. I skipped a page again. Good job. After Schlesinger's death in 1953, his wife Shirley Schlesinger Laswell continued developing the character herself. In 1961, she licensed rights to Walt Disney Productions in exchange for royalties in the first two arrangements between Stephen Schlesinger, Inc. and Disney. The same year, A.A. Milne's widow, Daphne Milne, also licensed certain rights, including motion picture rights to Disney. How did she still have rights? I'm not sure. Since 1966, Disney has released numerous animated productions starring Winnie the Pooh and related characters. These have included theatrical featurettes, television series, and direct-to-video films, as well as the theatrical feature-length films The Tigger Movie, Piglet's Big Movie, Pooh's Heffalump Movie, and Winnie the Pooh. Awesome. So, first off, talking through Winnie the Pooh, and it's, I guess, my experience was through the Disney, many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Mm -hmm. and the various Disney cartoons and TV shows, Welcome to Pooh Corner, and all that. What was um, your initial experience? I don't remember. I just as far as back as I can remember, I've always loved Winnie the Pooh. Like, like you said, I watched all the um, Disney cartoons, the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Welcome to Pooh Corner. Um, I even watched a few episodes of the My Friends Tigger and Pooh. Um, All the movies. Um, I have books and toys, and you name it. If it's Winnie the Pooh, I probably have it. 
Yeah, my I mean, my memories are go back to being as young as I can remember having memories. Um, watched a lot of them here in so this. Too. Yes, I watched a lot of them here in this very house with my grandmother, my cousins, um, my sister, my brother. You know, Winnie the Pooh is the very important formative thing. The thing I've always liked about the Winnie the Pooh characters is that they share a, a childlike um, approach to things, but they're kind of like Christopher Robin's conscious or like different personalities. They have a very positive childlike worldview that kind of is, is always a good thing to watch and kind of a melancholy to the whole thing. It's just very mm-hmm. kind of happy and yet sad and bittersweet all at the same time. And, um, it's great. So we've been revisiting these a lot. I mean, even before our daughter was born, they made that new Winnie the Pooh movie, which we went and saw, which yeah. was great. Um, but, I mean, t- talk about our, our daughter's uh, love of Winnie the Pooh and um, watching well, it now. Before she was born, before we knew it was a girl, we decided that the nursery was going to be Winnie the Pooh because I had the stuffed animals. I had some, like, copies of sketches that I got from the Disney um, movie DVD rewards. rewards, yeah. Um, so if you don't have those, get those, you know, save those codes on your Disney DVDs because you get some cool shit. Um, so that was in her room. You know, we didn't know for sure if it was going to be a boy or a girl. So in case we didn't find out, we wanted a unisex room. So her room is Winnie the Pooh. It's yellow. And as she got older, she loves Winnie the Pooh. She would have me put on my Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh movie DVD on, on repeat over she likes singing the up down song the piglet and the rain you know the de- rain 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 came down 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 tigger the tigger song make you know she asked us to draw poo and tigger and honey poo is what she calls poo draw honey poo make a tigger make a poo you know she's almost three and she you know she likes looking at the books and naming the characters a lot of the, the actual books though are kind of long for her at almost three so she doesn't sit through a lot of them but I can usually read. Just look at the pictures and make, make up, up stories. stories. Yeah. She always likes going to the page where Tigger gets stuck in the tree. Tigger's Tigger stuck. Tigger's stuck. And then she'll say, oh, no. Oh, no. Tigger's to... stuck. Where'd Tigger go? The reason she always asks me where Tigger is when I'm flipping through the book. Where'd Tigger. Tigger go? There he is. And I'm actually, we're sitting in the living room and I'm staring at her Winnie the Pooh toy box. Yes. So it's kind of a big deal for us. Um... And, you know, looking back, being a kid and having the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh on, you know, it was just kind of on in the background while you played. As a kid, we went into this in kind of the Finding Nemo, Finding Dory thing that you have kind of a different outlook on it when you're a kid versus when you're grown up. And when you're a kid, you know, you focus on, oh, it's all the fun and games of Christopher Robin playing make-believe with his friends. But the end bit where it's wherein Christopher Robin is going away, I think it's called, or going to school, mm. has is so heartbreakingly sad. Do you know what I mean as an adult? Yeah. Like you look back at it and you go, Crap, that's that's the last... I'm sure it was sad when you are a kid, too. Yeah, but, but in a different way. Right, this yeah. is, like, sad because you look back and go, it didn't have to be that way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't have to leave that stuff behind. And um, it's awesome. So age-appropriateness of Winnie the Pooh is as soon as they're able to comprehend it, I right? think it's like Legos, ages 1 to 99. Yeah, exactly. Which I'll... always confused me, though, because if you're 100, you can't do Legos. Exactly. I don't think Swedes um live get past... live past 99. Is that what... Are they, like, robots? And they have an expiration date. Make we don't robot. really know what to make a robot. We don't really know what's going on over there. So 
it's fitting that we talk about the last bit of the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh because that is exactly where Christopher Robin, the movie that's coming out this weekend, begins. Now, before I go any further than that, and we normally don't have to do this here, I want to say spoiler alert. If you're listening to this, we're going to be talking about Disney's Christopher Robin. And we'll just tell you right now, before you listen to the whole thing, as far as I'm concerned, it is a home run. This movie, I didn't know how much I needed this movie. This is Disney um, working at the top of their game. This is not some cash grab that's going to end up being like a a movie where you go to and it's more like a Minions movie or a Shrek movie that's kind of poking fun at Winnie the Pooh. This is a Winnie the Pooh movie, and I mean that. You bring your kids to see this film, the characters are front and center. They're there in the real world, first part of it, trying to help Christopher Robin. But you're getting a full-on Winnie the Pooh story at like a swift hour and 39 minutes long. It's not a long movie, and it is... Perfect. Like it doesn't seem like it's that short. It's perfect, in my opinion. Um, Sarah, what do you? But before we go into detail, just initial thoughts. I am I allowed to swear? You probably shouldn't. You already said shit, 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 shit. That's that used to be. I f bomb loved it. It is f bomb phenomenal. (laughs) F u c k great, (laughs) in great. Yes. Um, parents. (laughs) Um. But yeah, I th- I thought it was friggin' phenomenal. I want to see it again. Hopefully, we get to the drive-in this weekend to take our daughter because she's gonna flip her gourd. Yeah, go go out and see this right now. This is special. Well, you can't write. Ne- well, if you're reading this, then you can. no. Yeah, when they're listening to this, they'll be able to. So, yeah, so there's Thursday. Pause the podcast here. Go see the movie and then come back. All right. So I'll I'll start by going into the particulars, and then we'll go um, into uh, the reasons why this movie is so great. Because so, we said it was. Yes, because we said it was, and you don't get to know because you haven't seen it yet. Um, Maybe you have. Narny, narny, narny. Unless you read our screening. Christopher Robin is a 2018 American fantasy comedy drama film. <laughs> fantasy comedy drama film. All right, sure. Directed, <laughs> di- directed by Mark Forster. And for those of you that don't know Mark Forster, he has a varied career. But the two movies, I think, in particular that are the closest in theme to this are Finding Neverland, the movie he did about the author of Peter Pan with um, Johnny Depp and a few other people, and Stranger Than Fiction, which was that awesome Will Ferrell movie um, where the writer, I think it's the lady who played the writer of Mary Poppins in um, Saving Mr. Banks. Oh, Emma. Emma Watson? No, Emma. Thompson? Thompson. Emma Thompson is the little, yeah. Hermione Granger. Hermione. Hermione. Um, anyway, if you haven't seen that movie, it's not really appropriate for kids younger than like teenage years. It's got some bad language and stuff, but that's another great movie. Very similar in, um, tone to this one. Uh, A woman writes a book and her book character becomes a real person and comes and finds her and wants to know like why things go as they do in his life. It's really interesting. Um, and written by Alex Ross Perry and Alison Schroeder from a story by Perry. The film was inspired by A.A. Mill and E.H. Shepard's book, Winnie the Pooh, and is a live-action CGI extension of the Disney franchise of the same name. And the caveat here that I'll give you guys listening is it's very much like a more um, deep merging between the look of A.A. Milne's books, the artwork, and the Disney brand. Um, This is much more like a British 
a Milne children's property, much more in tone and similar to the way the books were written and less like the Disney movies. It still is like them, but this is very much like a joyous um, uh, love letter to what A.A. Milne had done. It, it really is. Um, it's scheduled to be released in the United States on August 3rd, 2018 by Walt Disney, and that's probably when you'll be listening to this. It's around 10 p.m. on August 3rd. Um, August 2nd. Before we get into the story, let's talk about the cast. So Ewan McGregor. Obi-Wan Kenobi, ladies and gentlemen, is Christopher Robin, a businessman who was once an imaginative boy. And Orton O'Brien plays him as a little kid at the beginning um, with, you know, doing the Christopher Robin leaves thing. What did you think of McGregor in this, Sarah? I thought he did really well. Like, I I kind of, he kind of got lost in the role a little bit. Yeah, I was, I was really impressed. I didn't expect him to be able to have the childlike whimsy. You know, for those of you that, uh, there's obvious parallels to this in Hook. Um, and Robin Williams is just kind of, he's expected to be able to play the adult playing a little kid role. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't so sure if Ewan McGregor could handle the whimsy yeah. um, that this movie has. And, and he nails it. Um, then we've got Haley Outwell as his wife, who does the wife role. Yeah. Um, she joins in in the action later. And instead of being like the type of, you know, human character in these that is always a naysayer. That, that, that's the thing I love about this movie is instead of, like, when the characters show up in the real world and people see them, instead of it qu- quickly becoming, like, a downfall kind of a thing where everyone, like, rises up and thinks there's something awful going on, most of the human characters are immediately taken and made childlike with them again and kind of just buy into it. Cool, yeah, yeah the Tigger's here. I got to go help him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I loved that. The movie has a very childlike, like dreamlike approach yeah. to this stuff. Um, Bronte Carmichael as Madeline Robin, Christopher's daughter. Um, Sarah, what do you think about her? I think she did very well. She was really cute. She kind of reminded me of um, what the hell's her name? The one Matilda. Was- yes. What's her name? Um, oh, Bob's going to be so angry for us me to forget her name. Oh. She's awesome. Um. The girl who played Matilda. We're so sorry because you're probably going to be listening to this and we love you. Um, Mara. Mara. Oh, Mara. Mara Wilson. Mara Wilson. There we go. We didn't forget. Sorry. (laughs) That's all right. I just had a baby, so forgive me. Yes. I thought she did really. And I like how they had her be like a female version of the young kid, Christopher. Yes. So the movie kind of has two halves, right? You've got you've got the half where Pooh comes. I won't say back to life, but Pooh is kind of like reset you know back into oh i'm awake now and he does his normal poo up down touch the ground thing in the morning and his mission is kind of oh my friends aren't here so i'm gonna go back into the real world and find my friend christopher robin because he'll help me and that's kind of the first half of the movie then the second half is christopher robin's daughter trying to get to him to bring him his missing papers that he needs for his big business presentation because she believes that if she can show her father, you know, do something nice for her father, that he won't send her away to boarding school. Um, you know, and it it's, he very much is trying to make her be him, but whenever they kind of question why that is, well, that's just what you do because it's what was done to me. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like his outlook on what to do to live is kind of manufactured by his childhood, not necessarily because he thinks it's right. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought Madeline Robin was played awesome. She she has a very strong role in the second half. 
you know, very adventurous. And it, it, it's when it really becomes a movie speaking directly to the kids is the yeah. second half. Um, it's a great movie, again, to share with your family. This is not a kids movie that was made for the adults that were kids when they watched it. And this is not a movie just for the kids. This is for everybody. This is this is. I don't think I've seen a movie like this in a long time that really was a full-on family movie. And I think for a young actress, she did very well with the more emotional scenes. I know a lot of young actors and actresses don't have the skill for that, but you know the, the scenes where she was supposed to be a broken-hearted little girl, like you felt it, like you wanted yeah. to just jump in and give her a big hug. Yeah, it didn't. Um, it didn't coast through those things. It took those scenes seriously. Um. So Mark Gaddis is Giles Winslow, or the Christopher Woozle. Robin's boss, or the Woozle. Yes, Winslow is Woozle, ladies and gentlemen, and they have so much fun with that. It's like he has to go get a Woozle. Oh, he must mean Winslow, Dad's boss. You know, it's it's so much fun. Anyway, um, what did you think of him? He played the the snide evil snake pretty well, actually. He was I, a dick. He was a dick. Yeah, and he needed to be. That was the whole point. Anyway, now we get into the important part, the voices. Everybody's favorite voice actor, Jim Cummings, as Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, doing double duty. Um, As everybody knows, Pooh is a honey-loving plush toy bear who lives in the 100-acre wood. And I got to say, the digital effects on these bears and toys is unbelievable. This is Oscar-worthy stuff right here. Winnie the Pooh eating honey and how an actual teddy bear that ate honey would look like it going through the hairs and getting smeared all over the house. Again, it's for great for comic relief and it's just so perfect and so beautifully done. And um, Tigger, I love the aged kind of been out in the sun and like the stripes are fading look of yeah. Tigger in this. Um, it really looks like somebody's toy that like they slept with every night. Yeah, You know what I mean? Um, what do you have to say about Jim Cummings? I mean, the guy's just perfect, right? You didn't read that line. That's all right. Um, as soon as I heard his voice in the trailer, I started crying. Yeah, and it works just as well in the movie. Um, also, something in the trailer that is nowhere to be found in this movie, and I'm glad for this. There's no pop music in this movie. They use a very nice, you know, pop. It might be an Imagine Dragon song or something like that in the trailer that works great for the trailer. <laughs> or Walk the Moon or one of those bands. And I don't have a problem with that, but Winnie the Pooh needs Winnie the Pooh's music. And so the songs you get and the score is very much an old-fashioned, like, 1940s, 50s Disney movie score. And the songs are Winnie the Pooh singing Up, Down, Touch the Ground, and Tigger singing the wonderful thing about Tiggers. And then I think it might be the original song composer doing a song at the end of the movie on the end credits, too. So there, it's all songs for Winnie the Pooh. It's not... um you know, other things. Then we have something new, you know, Jim Cummings has been doing these voices for a long time, but I think everybody else are newcomers. As far as I know, Brad Garrett of everybody loves Raymond fame. We should back up and say originally someone else was supposed to do Tigger. And then they eventually got Jim Cummings to do. Tigger that is true. Yeah. They were going to do somebody bizarre. different. Um, j- just to kind of give Jim Cummings a break probably. But, um, Back to Brad Garrett. So, what did you think of Brad Garrett as Eeyore? I thought he fell into the role perfectly. He did really well. He nailed Eeyore. And Eeyore had a lot more to do in this than Eeyore normally and does. you could tell at times that it's not the original Eeyore, but it sounded probably as close as you're going to get to someone else doing it that isn't the original. 
And Brad Garrett was also the uh, voice of the blowfish in Finding Nemo. Shark bait. Ooh, ah, ah. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. See, as I've said uh, ooh, before, ah, I'm ah, a purist. Oh, oh, oh. So I'm very happy that they had Jim Cummings come back and do Winnie the Pooh and doing Tigger. It was just the cherry on top. So I was very, like, listening to the voices, you know. So to me, if it's not close, I was kind of, eh. Yeah, and I will say well, that. Well, like I said, Eeyore was, was very, very well done for not being original Eeyore. But as good as you could get. And then we get into the rest of them. Toby Jones, who's um, a great in his own right, was Owl. Um, Owl, you know, sounded like a British guy. <laughs> that's yeah, And that's Toby like Jones. Owl from the cartoons, but it wasn't too far off. And again, the last cartoons, Owl sounded very different, too. They had the boss from Drew Carey there do Owl in the last one. I'm surprised they didn't have him come back. Um, and Nick, Owl didn't have a lot to say. No, Owl, Owl kind of just did Owl's normal show up and tell Owl's stories. As we're talking about Owl, this is when we'll get into the other thing that we were kind of having a conversation about at the end of the movie. And Sarah brought up a little bit earlier. The toys are the animals that normally wouldn't have been around in a forest in, you know, Sussex, England. So his toys were a pig and a bear and a tiger and a kangaroo. These are things you're not going to find. But a rabbit and an owl, you are. And rabbit and owl aren't toys. And if you look back in the Disney one, they don't have any sewing, you know, lines or anything like that. And in this movie, they're, you know, photorealistic animals that speak. And that was a little jarring at first, not realizing it. Do you know what I mean? Um, Piglet. And then realizing that just now that they didn't have, like, character names, they were just called Owl Owl and and Rabbit, rabbit, which makes sense. And I also have to say, speaking of names, and this makes me feel like a big idiot, I was reading, you know, one of the books to my daughter, and I was going, oh, there's kangaroos, there's root. And I know they're kangaroos. I've always known they're kangaroos. But I never put together that their names together is kangaroo. Kanga and roo. Kangaroo. Never, ever in 36 years put that together. I felt so stupid. And she's admitting this to you all. Mind blown. Felt like an idiot. Um, then we have Nick Muhammad as Piglet, which I think outside of Rabbit might sound the most different. Yeah, a little bit. He was a little higher pitched. Yeah, but but, pitch pig, but Piglet's still adorable. Piglet, yeah, it wasn't Piglet's... too bad. It was tolerable. Like I didn't sit there and be like, "Oh my god, that's a Piglet. It sucks." But 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 then you have Peter Capaldi as Rabbit, which again, Rabbit grew on me after a while. But Rabbit is jarringly a different voice. Ra- Rabbit kind of sounds more like um, has more of like a limey like deep like thick British yeah. brogue, and Rabbit is much more. I hate. To, Rabbit had more of an effeminate voice in in the cartoon. Would that be the best way to put it? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Rabbit always reminded me of my grandmother. Rabbit always reminded me of Vange, so I always struck that Rabbit was supposed to be an old lady, and I didn't, yeah, and I didn't know that. Movie. Is Rabbit a boy or girl? Rabbit is a boy, yeah. I think, but, but it always struck me that Rabbit was supposed to be like an old lady with a garden and everything, and I just, not that it matters, but it's just how it always struck me. Um, Sophie Okanito as Kanga. Kangaroo and Roo were pretty good. And yeah, Kangaroo and Sarah Sheen is Roo. Um, again, they didn't have as much to do. You know, the four main, so you've got Pooh, Tigger, Eeyore, and Piglet come along on the mission to the real world. All the others are in it, but they're the main four and they have a ton to do. Surprisingly, you know, a lot of Winnie the Pooh things end up being Tigger-centric. And instead, the four of them kind of get to share a lot of the screen time. Um, and I appreciate it. That again, Pooh gets the most and Pooh is... 
Pooh is note perfect in this. Pooh has so many incredibly deep but very Pooh-like things to say um, that end up being the uh, crux of the entire movie um, and the whole point. So uh, now that we've gone through the cast, um, you know, we don't really have, you know, our initial experience was the other night, but uh, now we can get deeper into it, Sarah. What what are your favorite parts about this movie? Um, I loved it. Like I told you, the one thing about it that I wasn't, I don't say I wasn't a fan of, but that I would have done differently is I wouldn't have opened it with them in, you know, with the characters right away. I would have started with Christopher Robin and then him seeing Pooh in the park, like in the trailer, because... And maybe flashing back to that scene. flashing back to the stuff in the Hundred Acre Wood. To me, when I watched the trailer and watching it and figuring out... That was so moving. That's Christopher Robin. And then when Pooh comes back, that got me. Like, that had me in tears. Watching it in the theater... Having already seen Pooh and knowing that Pooh was going out to find him, it didn't have that punch the trailer did. Yeah, I, I almost And feel... that kind of bugged me a little bit, but I understand why they did it the way they did it. I just think that I honestly they lost the opportunity to have that emotional punch. I honestly think they did it that way because the movie was originally cut the way that you're saying, and focus groups said they needed the characters at the beginning because the kids were getting bored. Oh, you read that? No, I'm thinking that. Because that that would make sense. It's like, okay, we better show these characters right up front or else yeah. people are going to think that they got, you know, duped. You know what I mean? Out of what they yeah. were sold. Because like I said before, I expected the movie that Sarah just said. I expected about half of a movie without these characters in it. Well, maybe not half, but I figured and then, the first and, maybe half hour. And yeah, and then Pooh shows up and it's like a big deal. This movie instead, the first half, first half hour of the movie, is a Pooh on his own adventure movie to find Christopher Robin and then an adventure movie to find Christopher Robin again with all the characters and his daughter. And I loved that it was a Winnie the Pooh movie instead of it just being a, you know, a movie in the real world for adults that also had Winnie the Pooh characters in it. I, th- I thought that worked great. So, um, you know, normally we don't get to do things like this. You know, this was a really, really great opportunity um, my favorite parts of the movie is is the whole damn thing. Um, yeah. The cinematography is perfect. The Hundred Acre Wood brought to life on the big screen, especially since the first time you get to see it, it's all foggy. And I what I didn't sh- like is that when Pooh walks out his door, he has to walk across a thing. It's not just that's not how it looks in the movie. Other movies and in the book, I think I think that's from the book actually. Pooh had like a little. And why didn't Pooh have away. the Trespassers Will sign in front of his house? I think he did. I didn't see it. It doesn't mean it wasn't there. Well, I didn't see it, so it wasn't there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, you know, what I was going to say is, you know, the first vision you get of the 100 Acre Wood, it's like all foggy. And it's cool because they they insinuate that these characters, it's kind of like a never-ending story thing, right? Like, they exist because of Christopher Robin's imagination. So Christopher Robin's daughter finds some pictures and leaves one for him because he's staying at work while they go to vacation. And apparently this happens a lot. And so he has to learn, you know, to not take work so seriously and work has to learn to not take work so seriously so he can, uh, um, you know, learn to be a kid again. Basically, she leaves this for him as kind of, a, you know, I'm upset at you, daddy. You know, here's your picture of Pooh, but we don't see the picture of the rest of the characters yet. And that's why I think. Pooh is the first one to show up and he wakes up all alone and the hundred acre wood is kind of foggy and dark and it takes Christopher Robin coming there and helping him find his friends to brighten everything up. So they kind of 
expand, like the vision of the Hundred Acre Wood gets bigger and the, the cinematography goes along with that. It's very vibrant and beautiful. And again, the fact that this movie, I know because of the time period they made it take place, it has to be, but this must take place in the early to mid-1950s. So it's a period, 40s, yeah. it's a period piece movie, and it didn't have to be. And they went all out. I mean, they're recreating the streets of London in this thing. Like this is, yeah. this movie's a lot bigger in scope than I expected it to be. And I, I like the nods they did to the old movies, like Pooh doing the up down song and Tigger singing the Tigger song, and he would be like, "No, not the song." Eeyore, he does that a lot. The you know T I double G or you know the stuff that you know and love from Winnie the Pooh they threw in there, which I thought was great. But they didn't have Pooh's sewing bust out. Did no, they? they didn't. Him sew himself back up. Oh, stuff and fluff. And Owl's house being knocked down. And yep, uh, on Wednesday. Eeyore. And just another Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, Happy Wednesday. The, the entire sequence of them... That's not a- the entire sequence of them finding Christopher Robin for the first time. And he has to learn how to play with them again. They, they believe he's a heffalump. Because it's Wednesday... Oh, and they're all hearing heffalumps and woozles, and it just ends up being the uh, um, wind, weather vane. the weather vane on Owl's house that scared them all away. But he does this. He, he runs over a hill, and they're all kind of hiding in a log, and he pretends to fight the heffalump. And they, that that's Christopher Robin. He plays like Christopher Robin, and it's just such a wonderful scene. Um and just the whole the doctor the um he he gets them to like understand his real world problem by saying I'll be eaten alive by a Winslow his boss oh a woozle you'll be eaten yeah sure a woozle I guess he is a woozle you know and it's it's just so wonderfully done um really happy to be able to share this movie with you guys um Sarah do you have anything else you want to say about it go see it yeah go see it right now um. I I, I I don't like giving star ratings to things, but as far as my my love for this, um, this I'm gonna watch the hell out of this movie. This is gonna be a movie I'm gonna want to share with my kids. This is a big deal. This is a much bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. Um, I think Disney has a gold mine on their hands here. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. In age appropriateness, I don't know what it was rated. I forget. Um, it, it was probably PG because there's a sequence in the war at the beginning that has an explosion. That's about it. Yeah. Um, other than that, there is no reason why you couldn't bring a- anyone. Any if a kid likes Winnie the Pooh, they'll like this. This. Th- I mean, our daughter looks at the screen when the trailers are on. Tigo, Pooh, Pigwit. You know, she she recognizes them, and that makes me so happy. Um, th- there wasn't a dry eye in the theater. Um, and this was a critic screening. The, the, these people were bawling their eyes out. You're not crying, man. I'm crying. You know, it's, it's, it was it was wonderful. Um, so as always, I we hope you guys enjoyed this. We hope you enjoy our first um actual review of something that you're not able to see yet. Um, uh-huh. haha. No, just kidding. Um, as always, post comments, topic ideas, and anything else to my Patreon.com/slash/TheChippa or directly to the post for this or to the YouTube page where we also post these. Um, again, under the Chip and Made This logo, we also do the Chipman Brothers Tangent, the Talkbuster podcast, um, and Sarah and I are also talking about another parenting-related one now that we have two kids. Sarah, what's the title of that one going to be? It's called Chasing Chaos. Um, Chris had mentioned that people were sending him like questions about you know parenting and, and needing advice, and I wanted to do something with the 
Chasing Chaos. I'm like, I gotta do something with that. It's gonna be the name for something. So I'm like, why don't we do like a parenting, like people can email in questions and we can like answer them or topics for us to discuss for them and we'll call it Chasing Chaos because kids are chaos and you chase them. So thus Chasing Chaos. So if you have a parenting question um, that you would like us to ask or a topic you want us to, to chat about, um, you can email me at um, chasing chaos podcast at gmail. Um, I will look at those and um, I will email back if, you know, either way if we're going to use your question or not so you know and you know what podcast it'll be on. Um, and if we aren't going to use it, I will also email you and let you know why because may, there may be topics we avoid that could be very hot button. And we don't want to, like, stare people away, but... And keep in mind, we're not doctors or professionals. We're just parents. Um, this is all experience-based. All experience-based. We like to share what we've learned. Um, you know, we do have a special... You know, our daughter is special needs, so if you do have questions about, you know, special needs kids, you know, we can try to help you there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a good time. We're excited, so send us some questions. Again, it's Chasing Chaos podcast at gmail.com I'll Chris will put a a written thing somewhere on Twitter so you can see it written out the email address in case you're like me and don't know how to spell chaos because I didn't <laughs> I had to guess or I awesome. had to uh, google it and I again as far as shout outs are concerned I'd like to give a shout out to my brother movie Bob um, we do the Chipman Brothers tangent together um, he's the reason we got to see this movie early um, so we really appreciate that. He'll also have a review, I'm sure, coming out for this around the same time as ours. So be sure to check out his review on geek.com. Um, and if Chris didn't say it or you missed it, they're together on the, the Trip and Brothers Tangent podcast. I just said that. Yeah, I know. You've said it three times. Oh, I'm making fun of you. Darty, darty, dar. <laughs> and um, uh, what else was I going to say? And also, um, I- I've been doing this in a lot of my podcasts lately. I'd like you to check out thebigbrownchair.org. Um, I'll be writing some reviews for them soon. It's a friend of mine from college, Peter's uh, website. Um, they do movie reviews, video game reviews. Um, uh, was it Ultimate Fighting Championship reviews? There are a bunch of librarians that started a podcast, and um, I want to get them some exposure, and I'm happy to start doing some work with them as well. So until next time, as we always say, Sarah. There's no shame in being a geek, no matter how old you are. Have a good one.